From the opinion pages of the Wall Street Journal, this is Foreign Edition. Now, Mary Kissel. The Trump administration takes a hard line on Turkey, and President Erdogan digs in. Could Ankara turn to Moscow? Welcome to Foreign Edition. I'm Mary Kissel with the Wall Street Journal editorial board, broadcasting to you from News Corporation headquarters here in Midtown Manhattan. And I am very pleased to host a very special guest today. Eric Edelman is the Roger Hertog Practitioner in Residence at Johns Hopkins School of Advanced International Studies, my alma mater, and counselor at the Center for Strategic and Budgetary Assessments. He served as U.S. Ambassador to the Republics of Finland and Turkey in the Clinton and Bush administrations as well as many other senior positions in Washington at the White House and the Pentagon. He's received numerous awards, including France's Légion d'honneur. Oui, oui, it's amazing. Mr. Ambassador, great to have you on Foreign Edition. Uh, Let's ask the big picture question. Um, Have U.S.-Turkey ties been deteriorating for a long time now, or is this current argument really just about President Erdogan taking U.S. hostages, including Pastor Andrew Brunson. What say you? Well, Mary, first, thanks for having me. It's great to be with you. Um, I would say that U.S.-Turkey relations uh, have been deteriorating for um, a a long time. One could argue that that deterioration uh, began with the end of the Cold War, in some sense, Uh, but uh, certainly since 1999, when President Clinton went to Turkey and declared that the U.S. and Turkey were strategic partners, uh, the relationship has declined. And I would say probably we have, uh, you know, reached, uh, you know, a nadir in, in the relationship in the last uh, several days. And there there are a lot of reasons for that. But I would say the overwhelming reason uh, is that Uh, domestic politics in Turkey have taken the country in a direction where the leadership of the country sees Turkey less and less uh, as uh, an ally of the United States and the West, um, and more and more as a uh, regional power unto itself, uh, with potential interests uh, in relationships with countries that are at odds with both the United States and NATO, notably including Russia and China. Well, that's the key insight, though, isn't it, that uh, President Recep Tayyip Erdogan's foreign policy is really uh, premised on his domestic policy. In other words, he's going to do things abroad that he thinks benefits him with the base back home. But it wasn't always that way. He was supposed to be an economic reformer when he took office. So what changed that? Well, I think the AKP government uh, has been uh, lucky and fortunate in some ways, uh, and, and they've made some of their own luck, to be fair to them. In the first instance, uh, they came to power in 2002 on the back of a very profound economic uh, crisis that led to a repudiation of the previous parties of government that were part of the political system that had really been established by Turgut Ozal uh, in the aftermath of the 19, September 1980 coup in Turkey. Uh, when, when the AKP came into government, they actually benefited 
from an economic uh, program that had been put into place by then Deputy Prime Minister Kamal Dervish, later the head of the UN Human Development Program. And the Dervish Program, which entailed uh, privatization of some state-owned industries and other liberalizing steps in the economy, uh, actually was the driving force for the initial successes of uh, the AKP government in Turkey. To be fair to them, they were smart enough to uh, not get in the way of that. Um, and uh, they allowed the then director of the central bank, uh, Sergen Serendechdi, to actually uh, really crank down um, the uh, inflation rate, which had been chronically high in Turkey for years, mm. which enabled uh, you know a kind of stabilization of the economy uh, and a pretty good run of of economic growth over the last uh, decade, uh, you know, and a half. Now, ha- having said that, uh, I think a-, a lot of economists have been concerned that Turkey, for the last several years, has been dancing on the precipice of a an economic crisis because uh, the government has chronically used the budget to. Uh, by votes, foster its, foster its <laughs> own economic, uh, its own political rather prospects in a series of elections that have always been very critical to the government sustaining itself in power, whether parliamentary, presidential, or local elections. Um, and they have uh, primed the pump with not only a lot of social spending, but uh, a lot of uh, major capital investments, public-private partnerships to build big infrastructure projects. The bridges that Erdogan is so proud of around uh, Istanbul, uh, the canal project that he has going, uh, and other major uh, projects. And that was easy when, because of the post-2007-2008 uh, uh, you know, uh, Great Recession, the U.S. Fed um, you know, lowered interest rates to virtually zero. So the Big uh, companies that um, have been patronized by Erdogan are, you know, part of the crony capitalist regime he set up. Have benefited from a lot of borrowing at, you know, near zero interest rates. And now that interest rates are climbing up to two or three percent, a lot of those companies are going to have trouble paying those debts back. Yeah, and they also to see a big crisis. Yeah, well, I I think we're we're seeing it. We're in the middle of of the hurricane. We haven't maybe reached the eye yet, but we're getting close. I agree. Um, uh, Turkey also, of course, borrowed quite a bit in uh, foreign currency-denominated debt. Um, And so now that the Turkish lira is falling in value, uh, Turkey's ability to repay that debt is deteriorating because it's becoming more and more expensive to pay interest on on that debt. So uh, it sounds as if Erdogan uh, took what was a very healthy economy and used the benefits of it to buy votes, to put it crudely, um, promising people things. And now you have a U.S. administration uh, angry at Ankara for for many reasons, saying mm, we're going to punish you if you don't do what we want, sending the lira off a cliff. Um, what options does Erdogan have? I mean, he's he's really sitting on top of a of a rickety uh, economy. Well, let me let me make two points here. One is <clears throat> that um, for a very long time, uh, as a variety of grievances on both sides, to be fair. I mean, the Turks have their grievances with the U.S. as well, mm-hmm. uh, largely having to do with the counter-ISIS campaign in Syria and the uh, role the U.S. has assigned to the YPG militia that belongs to the Syrian 
uh, Kurdish movement that is uh, a a uh, a partner, the a, Syrian a Defense Forces, of the PKK, yep. that terrorist organization that's inflicted enormous damage and harm on Turkey over a forty-year insurgency. Um, but uh, the, the uh, I think the the point is that w- w- while this uh, deterioration has been going on. U.S. administrations have consistently taken the view that uh, Turkey is too big to fail as a partner. We just need Turkey too much. Uh, And therefore, if we turn the other cheek, uh, no matter what they say or do uh, that we find annoying, uh, if we treat them like an ally, they'll ultimately behave like an ally. And I think the uh, bankruptcy of that policy has been demonstrated by virtue of the fact that uh, nothing we have done has yet made uh, Ankara behave more like an ally than an adversary. I mean, right now we're dealing with a country that essentially is holding uh, American citizens and American government employees, locally engaged Turkish employees, hostage um, and, uh, you know, uh, offering them up as trade bait for things that uh, that they want from us. I mean, as Erdogan has said, I have a pastor, you have a pastor, let's trade pastors, uh, because he wants uh, Fethullah Gulen, the, um, the uh, Turkish uh, exiled uh, religious leader whom he blames for the coup attempt uh, two years ago, to be extradited to Turkey, uh, despite the fact that uh, two years' worth of effort by the Turkish government to persuade the U.S. Justice Department that he's actually involved in the coup has failed to turn up any compelling evidence of that. Well, we're going to turn to the U.S. foreign policy challenge with Agra after the break. So stay with us. You're listening to Foreign Edition from The Wall Street Journal. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. Drive time, gym time, anytime. Podcasts from the Wall Street Journal. Check out all our shows at wsj.com slash podcasts. That's wsj.com slash podcasts. From the opinion pages of the Wall Street Journal, this is Foreign Edition. Now, Mary Kissel. Welcome back to Foreign Edition. Mary Kissel in New York with Ambassador Eric Edelman in Washington. And we're talking Turkey, in particular, the problems that we have with President Erdogan and his refusal to bargain with the United States or to allow U.S. hostages there to return home. Um, I want to focus in on Erdogan himself, Mr. Ambassador, because I know that you've had experience with him personally. Um, It seems as if his attitude towards Washington changed, particularly after that 2016 military coup attempt. He became more paranoid, uh, less likely to cooperate with Washington. Am I off the rails here, or was that really a turning point? Well, I don't think one should underestimate the degree to which uh, he bore a lot of hostility to the United States before the coup. Uh, I mean, there was plenty of 
government-sanctioned and sponsored anti-Americanism when I was there, you know, uh, in 2003 to 2005, and that's continued. I do think 2016 was a turning point uh, because I think he held the U.S. somehow personally responsible uh, for the coup, and President Obama in particular. Uh, I think, you know, one kind of uh, window into his thinking is the uh, Islamist newspaper Yeni Shafak, which is owned by his in-laws, which published an article after the coup that literally suggested that the United States and President Obama were trying to kill Erdogan during mm. the course of the coup. Uh, you know, now, Erdogan's never said that publicly, but I think uh, the uh, article by the editor-in-chief of Yeni Shafak, Ibrahim Karagul, is, uh, you know, I think a, a pretty good window into how he probably thinks about these things. So, yes, I mean, there's no question that that was a an important turning point. Well, he doesn't seem to be backing down. He has vowed uh, to win the quote. He said, Turkey, quote, will not lose the economic war, end quote, with the United States. That was in response right. to uh, President Trump's threat to Tweet, yeah. double tariffs on imported Turkish steel to 50 percent right. and on aluminum by 20 percent. I mean, this is really a, a standoff. So, where, where do you see this going? Do you think you could see more sanctions potentially out of the U.S. Congress? Well, back to the uh, question, you know, before we get to the Congress and sanctions to, that you raised before the break, which is what are Turkey's real options? And Erdogan suggested, as many others have, in his recent op-ed in the New York Times, that Turkey has other options, including right. Russia and China. Um, there's no question, I think, that uh, Russia in particular would you know, love to take advantage of uh, the differences that have emerged between the United States and Turkey. Russia loves nothing better to do than uh, drive wedges inside the NATO alliance. They do it whenever they can. And, of course, uh, Sergei Lavrov, the Russian foreign minister, was just in Ankara uh, doing just that. And I'm sure that uh, China would be only too happy to, to, um, to do that as well. Uh, but the real question is going to be if Turkey uh, ends up pitching, as you and I were uh, speculating a few minutes ago, into a really serious uh, uh, credit-driven economic crisis, which seems highly likely uh, given the uh, growing inflation rate, uh, which my um, uh, Johns Hopkins uh, you know, Homewood campus colleague, Steve Hankey, the economist, estimates is going to be running at about 85 percent this year. So it's a it's it's getting close to the tipping into into hyperinflation, um, given the growing uh, current account deficit, which is I think about seven percent now of GDP and growing rapidly. I mean, this is just not sustainable. And uh, you know, I I think inevitably someone's going to have to bail out the Turkish uh, economy here, and the question is going to be who is it going to be? I, for all the opportunistic diplomacy of uh, of President Putin. I cannot imagine that Russia is going to want to foot the bill for bailing out uh, Turkey, nor do I see some speculation by people, well, China will pick up Turkey and, you know, for a, for a farthing and, you know, very cheaply be, you know, uh, get them to, you know, be a, a Chinese ally. I have trouble seeing that either. I mean, if you look at how China has handled its One Belt, One Road initiative, um, you know, it is uh, offered not very attractive terms <laughs> to the loans that it provides to the countries to build the infrastructure projects that it wants built in these countries to the point where Christine Lagarde, the executive director of the IMF, has warned countries about getting into this sort of Chinese debt trap. So that leaves the IMF, where the U.S. still has you know, extremely uh, 
disproportionate influence, less than it once had, but still uh, quite quite great. And in that sense, I think, uh, as uh, former uh, Turkish Foreign Minister uh, Yashir Yakesh said uh, a day or two ago in the Turkish press, uh, you know, the United States uh, may end up bruised by you know this encounter, but Turkey's going to end up quite battered mm. um, unless uh, Erdogan finds a way to climb down from the positions he's taken. Well, we saw Qatar today injecting $15 billion, but that's really a drop in the bucket. And as you say, um, unlikely, well, Russia can't afford to step in. And um, I'm sure Turkey wouldn't want to become a vassal state of China. Um, That means that this is really a game of chicken, it sounds like, between the Trump administration And Congress. And let's turn to Congress before we run out of time here. Sure. Um, Congress has threatened many things. Uh, It has uh, now threatened personal sanctions against uh, some of Turkey's uh, uh, leadership that's involved in uh, the Brunson hostage taking. Uh, It's threatened to uh, not sell Turkey F-35s. The uh, NDAA, that's the defense uh, bill that was just signed into law, Uh, orders a review of U.S.-Turkey relations before that sale can go through. Um, What else is potentially on the table? Well, I mean, uh, what the Congress Congress is uh, concerned about two things. One, of course, has been the hostage diplomacy, uh, Pastor Brunson being the most uh, egregious example, but is not the only example. There are other Americans and non-American Westerners who have been caught up in this same uh, hostage diplomacy. and it, it is clearly hostage diplomacy. I mean, there have been uh, executive decrees that have given Erdogan the, the sole authority to, on his own, trade these people for, uh, you know, uh, people held in, in other countries that Turkey wants remanded back to Turkish custody. So it's it very clearly kind of self-recognized form of hostage diplomacy. But they're also concerned about uh, Turkey's purchase of the S-400 air defense system from Russia uh, and the potential danger that raises that some of the classified systems on the Joint Strike Fighter, the F-35, when it's uh, transferred to Turkey, could be compromised. So Mm -hmm. there are a variety of congressional concerns. Um, uh, But it's positive, isn't it, that the White House is is taking a stronger line against Ankara when it does behave badly, um, rather than just ignore the behavior and hope it goes away. Yes. I mean, and so the administration actually has imposed, uh, under the Global Magnitsky Act, sanctions against the justice and interior ministers of Turkey for uh, holding Brunson uh, hostage. I think on the Hill, there is concern that the administration would uh, regard Brunson's release as sufficient, as opposed to all the other Americans and the local embassy staff that I mentioned earlier, who've been also arrested and detained on uh, on spurious, uh, trumped-up charges to make a very bad pun. And just just to, to name a couple of them, for our listeners, Sergan Golje, a NASA scientist, uh, two brothers from Pennsylvania, Ishmael and Mustafa Kuhl, uh, many others. In fact, um, that other newspaper uh, down the road here in New York had a story today that named quite a few uh, new names that we haven't been made public before. Um, so what then should the Trump administration policy be? Um, we're cheering the fact that we're holding Turkey accountable for its actions. But as you said earlier, Mr. Ambassador, Turkey also has some real grievances with us, particularly uh, the fact that the U.S. has armed Kurdish groups in northern Syria that are aligned to 
Kurdish terror groups that are running an insurgency against Ankara. Uh, so what can we do there? Is there a trade to be had? Well, I think, I don't, I, you know, I don't think that there's a trade-off really to be had. I mean, what ultimately has to happen is that uh, we need to find a way to sort of de-escalate the conflict. Um, I think once the powers that be in Ankara, re- and I think they're beginning to realize that they have an awful lot to lose here uh, unless they also find a way, you know, and, and we'll have to find a way to provide a little bit of face saving for Erdogan as well. Uh, but the long game here is to, uh, you know, recognize that Turkey is important uh, beyond Erdogan. I mean, there will be a Turkey beyond uh, Erdogan at some point. Um, I think it's going to be very hard to have a normal relationship, you know, as long as he is president. Uh, that's just a reality. But uh, we we can and should be able to get back to a discussion with Turkey, a broad strategic discussion of Turkey's role in the region, and in particular, uh, how the um, the Kurdish issue is is handled, because there is an opportunity for Turkey to uh, help resolve some of the uh, problems it's had with the Kurdish population. In fact, the most constructive thing that Erdogan has done since coming into power was opening a dialogue with the PKK. I mean, uh, you know, they the Turks like to accuse us of negotiating with terrorists, but they, in fact, started negotiating with the PKK, mm. uh, you know, back in 2014 and 15. Um, and it's important to get back to that. I think the U.S. can provide some good offices in uh, using its influence with the YPG to, uh, and with the Iraqi government, to, uh, and particularly the Kurdistan regional government, to put some pressure on the PKK as well. Um, to get to a, a negotiated solution of the Kurdish issue in Turkey, uh, because uh, ultimately that's the only way uh, that you know this long-standing um, insurgency can be resolved, uh, and the incredible price it's extracted from uh, Turkey can be uh, you know put to put to you know, rest finally. Um, what what the Erdogan government has been doing since 2015. Uh, in southeastern Turkey and in its relations with the Kurdish uh, population in in Syria is actually, I think, alienating a whole generation of uh, Turkish Kurdish youth and turning them into PKK supporters. And I don't think that's in anybody's interest. So buckle up, folks. Uh, Tough times ahead between Washington and Ankara. We're going to keep an eye on it for you. On behalf of Ambassador Eric Edelman, I'm Mary Kissel. Thanks for listening to Foreign Edition. I'll be back with you on Friday.